0: Good morning, it's good to see you here today, and if you're in Kidmo, you are welcome to go, and if you've got a first through fifth grader, you're welcome to follow the crowd, um, see where they go, and uh, you can pick them up when we're finished here together. We're glad you're here, and um, we're thankful for those of you who are guests today that you chose to be with us, and um, for those who have been guests, but you keep coming back, we haven't scared you off yet, I'm super excited about that. Um, this is a good day to be here, and I know it's cold. It was cold when I left this morning, and it's two weeks ago, uh, it was 80 degrees, and it was 25 today. So, that's um, it's weird weather. Um, this morning, I was sitting in the lobby, and little Henry came in, and I shared with his mom our conversation. I was sitting there, and my family makes fun of me when I sneeze, because it's loud. I am I'm am like, I'm like a violent sneezer. Is anyone else a violent sneezer in the room? Yeah, I'm am I'm a violent sneezer and so I just it was I got on a run and when we're kind of in this allergy season, I just get on a run and I can't stop. So eventually he comes wandering in and he says, um, Pastor Mark, were you sneezing?" I said, "Yeah, did you hear me?" He said, "Yeah, I was scared." He said uh he said I thought it was a monster in here. I said, "Nobody, it was it was just me." And then, um, yeah, she's she knows, she knows. And then, so then, I'm sitting there, minding my own business, and he's uh, playing around and wanting to mess with the tablets and stuff, which is fine. And so, I was talking with him, and he walked over, and he stood right next to me, and he said, are you so old, you're about to die? (laughs) And I said, Henry, no, but... I mean, anybody can die at any time, but do I look like I'm old enough to die? And he didn't really answer. So anyway, it's good to be with you today. I'm, I, I'm on my toes more now than I was um, an hour ago, but uh, we are glad that you're with us. And thank you for all of those who signed up and brought things for Room in the Inn. Um, that is a great ministry in town, and we're thankful for your support of that. Um, also, for those who brought some food this morning, we want to... Uh, just wanted to do something special. Some of our ladies wanted to do something special for someone who's been here for a while and uh, is about to move. So Tara uh, Barkley is going to be moving closer to some kids, and um, we're excited for her, but going to miss her and just want to do a little something nice for her this morning. We had a great week. Uh, we had a great weekend last weekend as we um, ate lunch together, and then some of us went to see Jesus Revolution. Uh, which was fun Sunday afternoon. Uh, our, some of our youth went to go to Top Golf. That was also fun. Um, I didn't do so hot, but they did. And um, But we've had just a good week together. But today's been a good day to be here because I want to talk to you about some of the things we've been working on. And for the last few months, uh, we have been on a bit of a journey to figure out where are we in 2023 and where do we go from here? Um, with a specific challenge of not just thinking about 2023 or 2025, but of 2030 and beyond, because the world is changing. And um, the way we adapt to the world, the way that we allow ourselves to engage the world, it changes as the world changes. Uh, Journey will be celebrating this Easter, its 15th anniversary, which is really hard for me to believe. It's been 15 years. Uh, But a good number of you that are sitting in here today are, are, are fairly new, um, which is really something that's echoed throughout churches around our city, that uh, you know, where we were in 2019 and early 2020, we're in a very different place today. So I've issued some challenges to you, and I'm honestly, um, some of the things I've, I've kind of issued as a challenge to our church are the kinds of things I would, they, can, they can kill a church. Like we need to really reimagine or decide if this is something we need to keep doing. Most pastors don't say those kinds of things, and you all have just responded so well, and um, and, and a part of what I want to do this morning is share what a newly formed team has been developing as, as far as where do we go from here. Um, I, I'm just excited to see what God's going to do. I'm excited that you're here, and one of the things that we have identified, um, and many of you have also identified in the surveys that we sent out, was Um, One of our greatest needs is just the development of community. Uh, So many new people, so many new faces just don't know each other. And so we come in and we kind of do our thing on Sundays and then we leave. Um, But what we need is an opportunity for us to get to know each other and rebuild those relationships. And even that sometimes seems difficult, at least harder than it was two or three years ago. We seem a little more distant, it's, You know, we're a little more comfortable doing our own thing and not hanging out with other people. Uh, it's just kind of easier to come in and go and, and just kind of float. But that's really not what the body of Christ is supposed to be, and that's not what the church is supposed to be. And as we think about where is the church going from here, um, one of the, the most important things that we've identified that we need to work on is just the redeveloping community among us. And we've we've have that in some pockets here and there. Um, but that's one of the reasons that we're in this series called May We Be One. And so for just a few minutes, I want to um, encourage you in a specific direction about community, and then I'm going to ask um, a couple people to come up, and we're going to talk about some initial first steps we're going to make, and then some ways that if you still would like to get involved, you still can. And, uh, but last week we talked about the reality that as we look through Scripture, we were created for community when we look back over um, all of the Old and New Testaments, we were built for committed relationships. We were created for that. We went all the way back to Genesis 2 and we found that as Adam was put in the garden to manage and to keep it and um, just to work the soil and, and, and to take care of the garden, God looked down and said it is not good to be alone. And so along comes Eve. And the very first thing that God says to them is, you need to be committed to each other. Now we often re- reference that in terms of marriage, but really he's talking about humanity in a, in a place where like really good life experiences rarely happen to us as individuals. Normally they happen to us in the context of relationships. And Jesus would eventually go on to say, of all the teachings of the Old Testament, most consistent thread is that you will love god and that you will love each other and most of the teachings of scripture will are are trying to point us into what does that look like and how do we do that how do we love god and how do we love others and and some of that it it just seems very obvious and if you go back and you look at some of the laws it seems very obvious if you got a hole in your yard and somebody's ox falls in like they don't have an ox anymore so you need to buy them a like if people's oxes keep falling in, your, in the hole, then we need to take more drastic action because you're harming the community around you. There's crazy things like that in there. When we look at the Ten Commandments and what we find are a listing of ways that we should either love or refrain from something because that does not show love. And one of the very last prayers that Jesus would pray, we we read last week in John chapter 17, verse 22-23. It says, the glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. His his prayer, the some of the, the departing thoughts um, in his in his mind, in his heart, and the prayers on his lips was that we would be united in the kind of community that we were created for. And he knew that was going to be a struggle. Like one thing we don't have to 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 pray about or to consider is if we go to a basketball game and there's a concession stand. I don't have to talk to Deidre and say, "Do you think Malia would like some concessions?" Like there are some things that are just a given. They're just going to happen. You all have your own concession stand, right? Uh, But I don't have to think about that. I don't have to wonder. I don't have to voice concern. You know, I just want us to be really intentional that when we go to basketball games that Malia gets, con- she gets concessions. We don't have to do that because she's going to be right there telling us, hey, I need to go get concessions. Jesus would not be praying, may they be one as we, He and the Father are one, unless He knew it was going to be difficult. He knew it was going to be a challenge. And this is a challenge that I want us to face head on. It's not just in our church. It's in... A lot of churches, and it's not just in the church; it's it's in communities. Our separation from each other, our our looking at each other with suspicion, are kind of driving to our own you know sides, where the people always agree with us. We just we watch the news source that always says the things we agree with, or or we go to the church that always says the things that we agree with, or. I only hang out with the people that I know they're just like me. And He knew that and such a diverse group of humanity that we are, that we were going to struggle to have these relationships with each other. So His prayer was, maybe may they be one. I shared with you that just, just looking at that verse 23, when we grow towards each other, Jesus expects two things to happen. One, that we'll mimic His relationship with the Father. And two, We will give validity to the message of Jesus. You realize your willingness and ability to build relationships with people not only gives validity to the message, but it points people to the Gospel? And the church is not really known for this. We have a tendency to separate and to divide and to say who's good and who's bad, or this sin is bad, my sin not so bad. And we have a tendency to do that and... And then we have great divisions within the church. This is one of the things that Scripture constantly teaches us towards. Don't be divisive. Don't be talking about people behind their backs. Don't be sharing stories about people that ought not be shared. Because that messes up relationships and community. And this is one of the goals. This is one of the beautiful things about our faith. Our faith is both descriptive and prescriptive. This... Command to be one is both descriptive and prescriptive. To love one another as we love ourselves is both descriptive and prescriptive. It's prescriptive in the way that Jesus said, do it. I'm prescribing that you should love others. It's descriptive, and this is one of the greatest benefits of our faith. is that we get to do life with people that love each other. This is one of the mysteries of of Christianity, and, and yet I don't know anyone who would say, Do you know what's going well in the world? Relationships. <laughs> like, no one says that. No one goes, You know what's just, I mean, we do, we get, we mess up a lot of things, but the thing that we are on point with is our ability to love each other. I mean, I just would like to give the world a big pat on the back for how well we love each other. Like, no one. Is not, not even the greatest optimist is going to say that's what's happening in the world today. That is part of our ministry. It's to love each other, to fully live in that reality and that world that we enjoy being together, we help each other. If someone's struggling, there's a whole community of people to help them through their struggle. If someone's celebrating, there's a whole community of people to celebrate with them. If there are questions, there are whole groups of people that want to be there to, to just be a part of their struggle. I mean, This is one of the beautiful things that we are called to share with others. I shared a quote with you from Martin Luther King about a creative minority in which a small group of people that are committed to something can make a major impact in the world around them. This is out of one of his speeches. During this period, we will have to depend on that creative minority of true believers. The hope of the world is still in dedicated minorities. The trailblazers in human, academic, scientific, and religious freedom have always been in the minority. It will take such a small, committed minority to work unrelentingly to win the uncommitted majority. Such a group may well transform America's greatest dilemma into her most glorious opportunity. A small, committed minority can change the world. Whether we're talking about race or we're talking about faith, a small, committed minority can lead the uncommitted majority to find something better. This is what my prayer is for our church. We are a small minority. But there's not a whole lot of us. If we are committed to one another, a committed minority can change our city. That is our hope. I shared with you also that we have two big first steps in kind of where we go from here. And The first one was to find a healthier space to worship in. We are a community and not a facility. Financially, it's just... Just, it's a nice place. We enjoy it. But it's just financially, it, it, it drains so much of our budget. There's just not a whole lot left for other ministry. We also have a wonderful group of children's volunteers and great kids. But, but kids do what they do. They play. And um, one of the values we have in our kids' ministry is that the whole time is not structured. They have some just unstructured play time because kids just need that. And uh, And so the way that Hallway is constructed, lots of volume just goes from one room to the next. And if you've got a bunch of kids, you know how loud your house can get. You put a bunch, a whole bunch of kids in that hallway, all that sound just going from one room into the next, and it's just, it, it just can be overwhelming, especially for children that are that struggle with just overstimulation. We've got to find a healthier space to worship in that financially frees us up, but still meets our needs and still gives us an opportunity to to work on the things that we're working on right now. And the second one is that we move closer towards a community that is one just as Jesus wanted 2,000 years ago. If I were to paint a picture of what I would like to see the next few months of our church look like, it would be that we would be committed to a process of growing towards each other and praying that God would show us what He would have us do next, where He would have us go, What is our role in this community? And how can we welcome others in who are right now walking a lonely path and they need a committed community of people to love them? What does it look like to be that church? Today I want to talk about the foundation of a practicing community and as we do that, the reality is we can say it's good for us to, to love each other. We can say that. We can say it's good for us to be committed to each other. We can say that. We can say that it is it is good to love our neighbor, ours, ourself. But one of the challenges that Jesus faced, and he honestly got pretty frustrated over, was saying that we believe this is a good thing, but yet not actually doing the things he told them to do. We read this in Luke chapter six. He says, uh, verse forty six. He says, "Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you?" Like. Parents, you know exactly how Jesus is feeling at this moment, right? Take the trash out, and the trash is still here. Clean up your room. Room's still not cleaned. You're going to have to go you know, wash dishes. Dishes are still not washed. Like, why are you not going to do what I tell you to do? I'm, maybe it doesn't happen in your house. It happens in our house. And sometimes it happens with me. Deidre looks at me and she's like, I thought you were going to do this thing. And yeah, you know, so sometimes I'm guilty too, but... But Jesus is literally voicing frustration and saying, I've been teaching you all this stuff. You all are saying how wonderful this is and how right this is and you're right here with me. And yet, I, you don't do the things I tell you to do. <laughs> I'm like, oh, we, we understand Jesus. We're just as guilty as sometimes our kids are. Verse 47 says, Everyone who comes to Me and hears My words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it, because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. Belief is not enough of a foundation for us to build our lives on, to build our faith on or to build a church on. And this is what Jesus is saying. You cannot agree with me and then ignore the very things I've told you and have a strong foundation. There is always a part of doing that goes along with our faith. There is always a tendency or a temptation to make our faith only about doing. And that's when we burn out and that's when we wonder does God love us and where is He and is this worth it? And Doing is not the ultimate, but without doing there is not true belief because true belief pushes us to do. There's a way to live life with the foundation and there's a way to live life that when the storms come, we just fall apart. Living out these hard steps of the teachings of Jesus are the things that are going to move us not only to health as a church, but bring other people in our community to a place of finding out that what Jesus promised us is true, that life is good, that the world is good, that people are good, and that we have an opportunity to love each other and be welcomed and to deal with the troubles of life as they come. And we'll do it together. We often quote 23rd Psalm, and I found myself the last—I don't know—a few weeks, I, I don't know—referencing this over and over and over again. That, yeah, don't do that. Don't run on the treadmill every day. Yeah. And uh, you know, we have a tendency to want to be able to walk through the through the green pastures beside the still waters. There's some feeling within us that if we just do things right and we pray the right things and we go to church and we do all the things that Jesus tells us to do, that somehow we will perpetually live in that most pastoral of places where we just feel good and life is good. All those things we hope about heaven, we think maybe I can have those here. If I do everything just right, And then when we read the 23rd Psalm where He says, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. We think of it as the place where we are and we're going to get out of it as soon as we can and we'll never go back to it again. But that is not how life works. Life works in the green pastures. But no sooner are you in the green pastures than you'll find yourself again through the valley of the shadow of death. And one of the things our faith tells us is whether we're in the green pastures or whether we're in the valley of the shadow of death, we are good. We're okay. We may not like being in that place, but we're okay. There's a strength that comes in our confidence and in our faith and in the way that we choose to live our lives. And I believe in in part, although we read that very individualistically, me and Jesus in these places, God intends it to be us together in these places. We go through those hard times together. That's a gift of the kingdom of God. And yet it is so easy to try to live our lives avoiding all of those hard things or hard people until one day you look in the mirror and you go, you know what? I think I'm one of those hard people. Y'all ever do that? Like I've got this list of hard people and then I realize I think I'm one of them. I think I am. Part of the beauty of our faith is that even if you're also a hard person, you deserve to be loved. You deserve to have a community that is with you and fights for you. Even if your sin is deemed worse than someone else's, Christ died for you and for us. That is a beautiful promise. We have to figure out a way to practice this community in a way that works. You know, it would be great if we all lived in one really big house, wouldn't it? My niece, my niece for years said, except for Leslie, she says she's out. My niece said for years that she would, uh, she was going to get rich and she was going to build a big mansion and she was going to let all of us move in with her and she was going to take care of us. And so for years we'd be like uh, Lydia, we can't wait to move in. When? How's, it, how's that house coming? And then something happened. She entered high school, and she's kicked us all out of the house now. Like now. The house is still happening, but none of us are coming. Like none of us are invited anymore. Wouldn't it be nice if uh, we could just do life together all the time? We could have breakfast together, and talk about Jesus. We could help each, our, each other's kids with their homework. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? I'm not really proposing that. Like we watch Jesus Revolution. Now we're gonna have a commune. I don't. I'm not. It's not where I'm headed with this. Life gets difficult and busy those things would be wonderful but they're unrealistic given most of our schedules we can develop practices that build this within us because remember loving each other is both prescriptive he told us to do it and descriptive this is one of the real benefits of being a christian we have to find some practices that allow that to grow within us Glenn Stason and David Gushy in Kingdom Ethics said this, the church's moral task is not primarily to come up with the right beliefs about issues like euthanasia and peacemaking and then make sure that every member holds these right beliefs, nor is it to come up with the right set of timeless virtues and hope that every member will be virtuous. Instead, our central task is to discern which specific practices fit the kingdom of God and which attributes of community character are appropriate and fitting for peoples whose lives are surrendered to God. We want above all to be useful servants of the reign of God, and thus with all our heart we seek to discern and then to put into practice a total way of life that advances God's kingdom. It is not that we are the guardians of virtue. And we make sure you know what is virtuous and what is not. We are not the guardians of making sure we're right and we let everyone knows who's wrong. This is not how Jesus talked about our life or our faith. But instead, we are to be a, a, a people, a community with character. The kind of character that God can use. The kind of character that values the things that God values but we're bringing people into a community through these practices. What are some of these practices that we've got to develop in order to be a healthy, thriving community that leads other people out of darkness, out of captivity, out of oppression? How do we lead them to a place where they can experience this beautiful relationship with God and with other people? Jimmy a couple of weeks ago talked about one of the most important ones, and it is the practice of abiding. We must practice abiding. He talked about Jesus being the vine and we are the branches, and that we gain our sustenance from Him. And at times we get stuck and, and twisted, and we, we cut off the ability for nourishment to flow through the vine. We stop producing fruit, and then we come together and we encourage each other and lift them up and untangle the branch so that it can produce fruit again. We must practice this abiding in Christ, this daily, not only commitment, both prescriptive and descriptive again, but this daily opportunity to walk with the Savior of the world, with a Creator God that's a part of every moment of our lives one of the most dangerous things to your faith is to believe that Jesus is part of your life. Because He says, you're either all in or you're all out. There is no in-between. And abiding says, I want all in. Like he's a, I, I would love to say, I think about Jesus every moment of every day. I certainly don't. I don't think that's what He means. But it is this perpetual commitment to be where Jesus is to know Him and to be a part of what He wants to do in our lives, that being the driving force of who we are and what we do. We must practice abiding. John 15:5 I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. We must practice this abiding. This is how we wake up in the morning on a Monday morning and think, oh, I don't want to do another week. We abide in Christ. This is why we put cautions up about social media because it's hard to abide in Christ if I'm abiding in Reels or Instagram or TikTok or I don't know. I don't know how long you're going to be able to be on TikTok. I don't know. I never, if it's going to get banned or not, who knows. But for now, it's easy to abide in TikTok or to abide in the news. He says, abide in Me. I'm your source. Abide in Me. I, I've got to be the driving force of your life. That's the only way this works. We have to practice... Ab- a second practice, we must practice loving God. It's not just how do we make God happy. And I think a lot of people approach faith, and it's a, it's an incredibly unhealthy way to approach faith. Like, Can you imagine... Being in a marriage where your your driving thought about the health of your marriage was, how gosh, how do I keep them happy? Like you might be good for a week or two, but that's an exhausting kind of relationship to be involved with if you have to be the one constantly keeping them happy for there to be peace in that relationship. God is not someone we just try to keep happy or we just try to get do stuff for us. It is the gift of a relationship with Him. We get to spend time with Him. We, we must practice loving God. In John 14, verse 15, and He says, If you love Me, you will keep My commandments. And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth whom the, word, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. You know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Because they're prescriptive, but they're also descriptive. One of the Ten Commandments is hey, don't covet your neighbor's wife. If you're coveting your neighbor's wife, do you think that's leading to a healthy relationship with your neighbor? Probably not. I haven't seen many best friends built by someone coveting the other's spouse. And it shouldn't just be wife, it could be husband. got to practice loving God. What would it look like in your life if you had just a a group of people? Let's say two or five or ten. A group of people that they knew you. Like they knew you. I, I don't mean like they know the you that you want them to see. Like they know the you that you don't want anyone else to see, and yet they loved you. They were there for you. I dare say very few people have a very large circle like that, if anyone. This is prescriptive, but it's also descriptive. This is the kind of relationship that we're called to, the kind of commitment that we're called to. Not the kind of commitment that says, you do what I want, and I'm here for you. Those become toxic relationships. And instead, no matter what you do, I'm here for you. What would it look like to have that kind of community around around you, around us? What What would it look like for someone who is just, they're, they're in the valley of the shadow of death, except they're by themselves. What would it look like for them to walk into a community gathering of people that loved each other like that? It doesn't matter. We're with you. We're with you. It used to be, 20 years ago, we, we fought the battles of, um, can you come to church and have a tattoo? Which today is such a silly Silly thing, and I mean, like today, no. I mean, I'm sure people still fight over that somewhere and some wherever, but like, it's such a silly thing anymore. But at the time, I mean, we would separate people for all kinds of reasons. I mean, there was a time that, like, if a, a guy had hair below his ears, like you're going to hell. I mean, those were, just, yeah, Paul had no chance, no chance. AJ, I mean, he's okay now, but there was a time AJ didn't have a chance. He shaved his all off, but there was a time. Big sinner. I mean, we just have a tendency within the church to find those things. What does it look like to be a community that says, I don't care what you look like or what you sound like or I don't care what your sin is. I'm with you. That kind of committed relationship will change the world. Because you will rarely find those types of places. But this is what he's called us to. Dallas Willard said that spiritual formation for the Christ follower refers to the spirit-driven process of forming the inner world of the human self in such a way that it becomes like the inner being of Christ himself. So discipleship, spiritual formation, spiritual growth, sanctification is the process of our inner being looking increasingly more like Christ's inner being. This is what we're driving towards. This is what we're looking for. We must practice loving God. A third practice, I think this includes, is we must practice deep and abiding prayer that changes our current reality. Let me say that again. We must practice deep and abiding prayer that changes our current realities. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, Paul says, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our, warf- of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Part of how we live our lives, the battlefield that we sometimes find ourselves on, we so readily and quickly put ourselves in a battlefield against someone else, but our battle is not with each other. Our battle are with these spiritual forces. And prayer changes our current realities. Where some of us going through a period of fasting through Lent and some of you have fasted for, from different things. and um, <clears throat> There was a time, and I still will do this. I, there, there's a, desperation is really a, a really powerful motiva- motivator. And there are moments that I will still get into a moment of desperation and I will fast just to say, God, I'm desperate to hear something from you. But in general, that's not how fasting has been practiced nor understood. As if I fast well enough, I get what I want from God. That, it's not really the point of fasting. Part of the point of fasting is recognizing, giving up things, and recognizing that we are not able to live our lives individualistically. Like if I give up certain, uh, if I give up an amount of food for Lent, I recognize I can't be sustained. I, I get hungry now and. I can't be sustained just on my own. I I need food. And then I need whoever's worked the the land to provide that food or whoever's prepared that food. I can't do life alone. Um, It's also meant to remind us that there was a cost um, for for sin within our lives. It does bring some level of suffering, which is what Lent is often about, recognizing it was our sin that Jesus gave His life. He had to give His life for us. And it reminds us that sin is not something we take lightly. It's not something we just say, ah, it's no big deal. I mean, it is a big deal. It breaks things. It breaks our relationship with God. It breaks our relationship with people. If we steal, we're breaking a relationship. We're hurting someone else. If we, if we murder, we're definitely hurting someone else. And Jesus took it a step further in the Sermon on the Mount and said, Listen, if you just hate somebody, it, you're, just saying you're hurting someone in the same way as if you murdered them. It breaks relationships. But prayer gives us the opportunity to invoke God to do things that only God can do. To work within the spiritual realm that we ourselves are powerless in without Him. And so there needs to be deep and abiding prayer in which we are spending time with Him And we are also praying not only for what we need, but praying for others. And praying as Jesus prayed for His kingdom to come on this earth as it is in heaven. Which I I believe is really a big part of what our lives are supposed to be about. How do we bring that kingdom here? Fourth practice, we must practice meaningful and committed community. That means we have to be committed to each other. Just, just look around the room. These are the people you need to be committed to. You know, Rafi's doing it. Good job. She's making sure. Yeah, around the room. Just look around the room. I, I, I would say I want you to say to your neighbor, "I'm committed to you," but I don't want you to lie. Right? I, don't say it if you don't mean it. I don't want to put you, I'm not going to put you on the spot. I'm not going to put you on. The... But this is who we commit to. We also, as a church, have been very intentional about committing to other faith communities in the sense that we are just a, a piece of the church. We have other brothers and sisters around the city that are a part of, of the church that we're a part of. We're committed to them as well. And we can be committed to a group of people that want nothing to do with God. We can, still, we can commit to love them. That's what Jesus did. He would just walk up on a person who wasn't a believer, wasn't even a Jew, and say, I see you. I'm with you. We have to practice meaningful and committed community. Last week when we talked about the creative minority, this was a quote by John Tyson, who's a pastor in New York. He described a creative minority. I read you that quote from Martin Luther King. They can... A committed minority, a creative minority, or a committed minority can change an uncommitted majority. He says a creative minority is a Christian community in a web of stubbornly loyal relationships. Do you have stubbornly loyal relationships in your life? I hope you do, because they, those and those are real relationships. Those are real. Those are tangible create a minority in a Christian community in a web of stubbornly loyal relationships knit together in a living network of persons who are committed to practicing the way of Jesus together for the renewal of the world. How can we renew the world if we're not committed to each other? If we're not committed to Christ and His teachings? Leslie Newbigin, we must live in the kingdom of God in such a way that it provokes questions for which the gospel is the answer. I raised the question last week what is the gospel? What is the word? And it's easy to come to the place of saying the word is if you were to die tonight, you know whether you'd go to heaven or hell. Very easy to say that's it. That's the gospel. Very easy to say the gospel is that Jesus had to die on the cross for our sins. It's very easy to say that's the word. And while those things are true and those things are necessary, that's not why he did it. Jesus didn't simply do it because you know I'm a bit obsessive compulsive. The sin things kind of mess things up. I think I just want to wipe it out and kind of wipe it off my plate so everything's be nice and neat and tidy. But instead, he knew that there was a way that you could live life that was really wonderful. And the gospel is that the kingdom of God is here, and if we choose to live within that kingdom, which means recognizing our sinfulness, recognizing God's love for us, recognizing Jesus gave his son for us, but that there is a way that we can live life that is good and life giving, and we can actually bring the kingdom of God here into this place. We can actually experience it now. We spend so much time worrying about getting people to heaven, but there's, you know. There's so much life going on right here. It's like going on a trip and you sit down to do all your planning and you plan how we're going to get somewhere. And then you plan how we're going to get back, but you never talk about what's happening on the actual place you're going to. Like we're going to drive to Orlando. And then we're going to drive from Orlando back. We've got all our plans in place, and the days and the times, and, and where we're going to stop for gas, and, and 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 all that stuff. But you never talk about going to Disney World, or or where, or Universal, or the beach, or wherever. You never talk about that time. That's how we often talk about our faith. We talk about life right now and I need to confess Jesus is my Lord and Savior and one day I hope when we die we're going to get to go to heaven and then like life's going to really get good. But, but you miss all the point that Jesus was trying to talk about which was right now. It's most fully felt. We fully love God and we fully love each other. These practices I think are practices that we need to, we need to focus on. We have to practice abiding. We have to practice loving God. We have to practice deep and abiding prayer that changes our current realities. The expectation that this is what God wants and He wants to use us towards. We must practice meaningful and committed community. So I shared with you two big first steps that I think we need to make as a church. And I'm going to ask some friends to come up and and talk with me for, for a minute. or I guess we can come up one at a time. Scott's going to join me, I guess, first. And I want to, I want to first say how appreciative of I am of, uh, of the group of people that have that committed to be a part of this discipleship team. And um, I challenge them that, like we, we're not in a wait and see phase. We're in a plan and do phase. We've been waiting and seeing. But we're at a place where we need to go and do, and we need some initial first steps to get started. And um, this this group of people, um, boy, have just super encouraged me and have come up with some ways that for us to take these next steps. I'm going to invite you to, to join us on those, and I've asked Scott to help me share what some of those are. Um, in discipleship, as I mentioned earlier, We felt that one of our greatest needs was not we need more Bible studies. And Bible studies are good. We don't need more Bible studies. We don't need more commitment for people right now uh, to commit to go to somebody's house and spend an hour in some kind of spiritual discussion. While that may be what you're looking for, and I do think there is an absolute place in the future for those groups, what we need right now is to get to know each other better. We really need to build relationships because it's out of those relationships uh, that the rest, that everything else is going to grow. And one of the hard things through this season has been um, just kind of getting things moving. It's absolutely true: things in motion tend to stay in motion; things at rest tend to stay at rest. And this team of people have been committed to motion. And and it's when some, an object's at rest, it's really hard to get it moving. So not only have they have been committed to getting something moving, but also committed to actually making those things happen. So um, I want to share with you a few things that are coming up that we believe will help us to become one, will help us to build community. But there is a part of this that is going to require a commitment for us to be committed to each other and committed to taking some of these steps. These are not the only steps. These are not the last steps. These are the first steps, but we think those... These are important steps. And um, In years past, our small groups ministry has been one of our healthiest ministries. At one point, we had close to 80% of our regular attenders in a small group. That's been, been years now. And we're a little more distant. We have a little less time than we used to have. And we're a little more uncertain about wanting to go hang out with people we don't know. So, um, So they came up with some ideas. And I'm, Scott's going to share the first one, which um, we're we're coining community groups. And um, Scott, I'll just let you share All right. that. Well, thanks. Um, yeah, we've been working pretty
1: hard on this as a discipleship team. Mark's going to tell you a little bit more about those members here in a minute. But um, I was thinking this morning about groups and and how we how we've done them in the past and how most churches do them. And for some reason this morning, it, it just hit me. It's kind of, it's, Mark's the king of marketing here in our group. He likes slogans and stuff. But I thought of unique groups for unique people. We're not going to try and put everybody in one box. You know What happens is, listen to Psalm 139. It says, for you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. So how can we take people that were made by such a creative God and think they all fit neatly in one box. Have y'all ever experienced that where you felt like you were shoved in a box you didn't belong in? Yeah, sometimes that's tough, and and we often do it because we feel an obligation. This is what God would want us to do, but I'm not having fun doing it, and so we wanted to do something that, that felt natural, it felt organic, it felt like something you'd want to do with your friends, and that's how we came up with the idea of community groups and what they would do. And we can look at the way we're all gifted. And I think there will be a, a, a group that you'll want to be a part of because there are going to be so many different ways that you can plug in. Um, some of the types of journey groups would be Bible study groups. Just like Mark said, some people want to sit down and they want to come every week and do a Bible study over either a passage or some kind of discipleship book. And they want to do that every week. And that's what they want to do. That's great. We're not saying you can't do that, but we're just recognizing also some people don't like that style of Bible study. Some people like to do something a little different. Uh, We'll have conversational type groups. We've got a couple of those that we're going to talk about. Social groups where we do things like we go out and do outings together. We go out to eat lunch and things like that. And then service groups that we're already doing some of that with things like uh, uh, Widow's Harvest and ministries like that where you can go out and serve together. That's how your group gets together. But each of them is going to be just a little bit different. And, you know, we'll have meals, activities, whatever you want it to be. We're going to have different groups for different people. You know, how many of you think that you're different than other people here? Yeah, most people think that they're different. Have you found somebody, anybody here that you think you're similar to? Raise your hands. I didn't get quite as many hands there, and that's part of the problem is we don't know each other. I've enjoyed this morning. I'm, I'm amped about all this because I know more people than you do. Mark and I know a lot of people here, and we've had lunch with you. We've talked to you. I can go out here right now, and I can have a conversation with most people here because I know a little bit about you. You know, we could have a, a group over here that all we do is talk about cars, motorcycles, hunting, and fishing. And that would be half the church that I know would be right over here in this group because we do those things. So we need to to capitalize on the things we're good at, the things that, um, that we know where we're gifted, the things that we know God made us to do. And, you know, I, I looked this morning, I was going back. Have y'all ever taken a spiritual gifts test? Yeah, a lot of you have done that. We, we're we going to try and bring that up again here in the near future here at Journey so you can kind of get plugged in with your gifts. But I look at mine. It's in my high school administration, pastor, teacher, exhortation, prophecy. And then you look down at the bottom, serving and showing mercy. I've never gotten a negative number on a test, but this is about as close as you can get. So I know those are things that aren't natural for me. Not to say you shouldn't serve and things. But you know you, and you know what fits you. You know what type of group you would want to be in. And that's what we want to encourage you to do, is to come out and find a group that fits you. Um, We're going to start a couple of community groups right off the bat. We're going to be in Soddy Daisy. Karen and I will be in that. There's several others that are are committing to be in that group. We're not exactly sure how we're going to do that, but it's going to be more of a social group. We're going to go out and eat together. We're going to do things like that. And just do things that we think as a group would be fun to do. Also going to have a group on Signal Mountain that kind of represents Signal Mountain, Red Mac, and North Chattanooga. Uh, we're going to have a sign-up for that group as well. I believe y'all are starting after April 14th. Is that okay? Friday night, April 14th. Is that correct? Got it. So that will be the Signal Mountain group. The Soddy Daisy group will start March 26th after worship. We'll all go out to eat together or something. So, so we've got those type groups. Now, we're not going to stop the groups we already have. The Maymont group, if you like that, not going away. You can still do that and you can come each week and do the Maymont group. You know, and it's you know how it's it's for intellectuals like Mark. It's not for people like me. No. <laughs> I just they have a great time, but but they all have a real interest in really deep dives into scripture, into historical content, into looking at the teachings of a of someone that understands the Jewish rabbinical system and how that relates to Scripture, that's that's what you like. That's fine. Come to that group. You'll super enjoy that. But the other group, we're going to have one more group, and it's going to be super unique. And I'd like for Mark to talk about it.
0: Yeah, and and just um Cliff Notes version. So two community groups are starting. Saudi Daisy is going to have their initial next. Big area. Um, Friday, April, um, Friday after, um, and so if you're interested in one of those two groups, all of this information is on our website. You can find it on the homepage and you can find also a number of forms. Um, Ashley heading uh, up the spotting group. You can find some. You'll, you might notice that those are only two areas of our city. So if you're interested in, saying, hey, I can I can do that. It can be as simple as uh, we're going to go out to eat after church, have a meal at the house, Bible study. If that's what. You but if you're interested, especially maybe in the Hickson area, um, areas large part north of the river that is not represented, would like to start a group and you would like to do that. love to start and And start more organically. Not giving a schedule. Baymont Group is not for intellectuals. I do. Early. That's going through a podcast. Where we listen to an episode. Um, that's been meeting for the last few months. It's very, I, it's one of my favorite thing. Uh, it's very live giving. Uh, it's Marty Solomon's Baymont Podcast. You're welcome to but one of the things that we've also um, recognized, like we're just not good at disagreeing with you. We have a tendency to want to just hang out with the people that agree. And so we talked about some different ways, um, talk about some things that are important in the world. Because and there are a lot of very emotional issues. And one of the members of our Baymont group, and so been a while now, Greg Heidel, is back, uh, always a well-dressed man. I am like, who's Greg? He's the well-dressed guy. And he, oh, I know who that is. So just so you know, Greg, I hadn't told you, how you know. And he uh, had done a, uh, a thing at a church in Austin, Texas called Pub Night, and Pub Night was Meeting at different pubs and talking about significant issues, and so we, I said, no, I, through the pandemic, I thought about doing that for just the, just bringing people here because what I found was that we had so many in 2020, 2021, the churches either didn't engage or we engaged very poorly, and we didn't. We didn't have the opportunity. Can you not hear me? There we go. There we go. And uh, so, um, but my thought was, we need, to, we need to pull people together and teach them how to talk about important issues. And let's just do it over a beer. Let's make it casual. So he had the idea, and so we started talking. And so this is we're going to start. It's called Brews and Views. And yeah, somebody's excited about that. Brews and Views is going to be a monthly group that's going to meet at different places around our city. And um, we're going to have a different topic each week. And our goal is to talk about significant issues in faith and life and culture, but be able to build relationships even when we disagree with each other. So if that's something that you would be interested in, we're going to have a planning meeting Tuesday, March 28th. That's a week from this Tuesday. We're going to meet at Monkey Town Brewing. is right here off of Ashland Terrace. Um, you can also go online and you can sign up for that. Um, and we're going to just sit down and figure out some of our first topics. We want to start with journey people um, and build the dynamic and build the initial relationships. And then we're gonna open it up to the rest of of the community. We're gonna start advertising it outside the community because what's the point of having an event where we talk about this kind of stuff only with people that agree? And I'm not saying everybody in Journey agrees. Um, But we want to have an opportunity to have those conversations. So that's gonna be the 28th. That's another one. You don't have to do that and anything else. Uh, you can just do Brews and Views. You can just do a community group. You can just do Bayma. You can do more than one, or you can start a group yourself. Um, we would love for you to do that. Some of the, the, the ground rules, uh, we're kind of working on some ground rules, um, so skip the two slides from there. Um, some of the ground rules are that we're going to respect people and value wrestling, struggling, and questioning. It's one of our ground rules for this. Another ground rule is that we value diversity of thought and relationships over agreement. And another ground, uh, ground rule, we value authenticity and will not judge those with whom we disagree. So it's a tall order, to be honest, in this culture. And we would like to start that here and see it expand. And to our knowledge, no one's doing this in our city um, another uh, another thing you're going to see coming up on April 16th, which is the Sunday after Easter, is we're going to be having another table event. We're calling it Brunch Church. And Brunch Church is... Uh, we're going to meet at 1030. We're going to have a sign-up genius. We'll be sending that out to provide breakfast foods. Um, we're going to do the whole morning in the event hall. Um, we're going to eat. We're going to have a worship service in the event hall which is going to be different than what we typically do. Um, we're, we're, going to do we're going to have an unplugged acoustic worship set and then I'm going to have a um, this kind of a interactive devotional where we're going to talk to each other and then have opportunities around the tables to talk. Um, and then we're probably going to start doing something like this quarterly. Um, I don't know. We're going to see how this one goes first. <laughs> Uh, That's going to be Sunday, April 16th. That will be here. Enjoy a shared meal and spiritual conversations as we build community together. These are first steps. And there are lots of opportunities to get involved in right now. And if your head's spinning a little bit, I would just encourage you to go to our website. All this information is there. And if you want more information, you can email us. And if you want to sign up for something, there's lots of places that you can sign up for stuff. But I want to challenge you that being in committed relationships with each other means at times we take steps that are more comfortable not to take. So I want to ask you to be there, to join one of these community groups. If there's no group near you, I want to encourage you to start a group. And I'll be happy to talk with you about that. Um, I really appreciate our discipleship team. Some of the people that are on that team are Bruce and Kathleen Cunningham, and Ashley Tannis, Paul Schreiner, Harlan Picard, uh, Joe Clausen, Jimmy Davis, Scott, and Ken Brown. And I think I think that's everybody that was there for those meetings. Next uh, step, where we're headed from here, because we are headed somewhere. Our next step, if you would like to get involved. Um, so next slide, next up. We're... There's been a request for a directory. We actually have functionality through Planning Center, which is our software that we use here. That you can, uh, we can have a, a, a digital directory in an app, and so we're working on rolling that out. Where you can have, you get to choose what information is shown. You get to choose whether you're in the directory. You get to choose what information is shown about who. You can have an individual picture and you can have a household picture, um, just as a way to. See, who who do we not know? And I've seen that face, but I don't know what their name is. And rather than now for the next six years, you just always never have to use their name, you can open the directory and go, oh, that's who that is. So um, the directory, we're working on that, on rolling that out, and we will have some people that will help you set that up if you would like to, to be a part of that directory. And then we still have three other teams that have not met that are our next steps. Uh, One is a hospitality team. That's our next big opportunity. If you've already said you're interested in the hospitality team, you'll be hearing from me. We'll be pulling a meeting together. Um, I'm going to send out another survey this week. So if you are interested in getting involved and have not yet, you can. You can sign up for these remaining teams. A ladies' ministry team as well and a men's ministry team. And then for those who are looking for our next opportunity to serve, on April, I think it's 22nd. Is that right, Ken? April 22nd, we'll be going. We'll have a widow's harvest um, workday, which is 9 to 12 on Saturday. It's for the whole family, and um, but we need you to sign up for that as well. All of these signups are also on the iPads, or if you've been following along on Uversion, it's on version as well. Um, and so you can you can uh, sign up or request information there. And then the last thing that we want to do with you. Um, before the band comes, I asked Ken to come forward, is there were two big questions. One of the big questions was um, just building community together. And so we're proposing lots of opportunities to do that. Um, It's up to you to choose to get involved in those things. Um, Or if you have another idea, like we're all about ideas right now, then I would love to hear from you But the second one is, you know, just part of our health is also where we do these things and um, the cost of this facility. uh, It's just prohibitive for us right now. It's more than we need. Um, It's more than we can afford. It is not, we are not being charged unfairly. Um, We have a good rate for this space, but it's way more than we need and way more than we can afford. So... Um, we've been asking you to pray about where our next space is, and as I mentioned last week, there are some conversations going on, um, some other churches have reached out to us and said, we would love for you to come and find a way to use our space, we've got plenty of space, so we're having those conversations, we don't have anything to share yet, as far as definite possibilities, but we just have a lot of conversations, and I asked Ken if he would come up and, and, um. Lead us into some prayer and call us to prayer over these next things. It was his idea. So I wanted him to come up and, and do that. Ann?